0: Good morning, morning. and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It is so good to be here with all of you this morning. I want to welcome those who are joining us via our live stream as well as through WRR. If you are a visitor among us, we are so excited that you are here, and we hope to get to know you. If you will join us for fellowship after worship, please join us in the atrium right over here There are church members with bright yellow name tags who want to get to know you, and we have a special gift just for you. Whether you are new or you are a longtime member, I invite you to look for the friendship pads in your aisle. And please note your attendance as well as the names of those sitting around you so we can continue to grow as a family of faith. There are connection cards. If you are in a new season of your life and looking for different ways to be engaged, please feel free to fill out a connection card as well as a prayer card. We want to join you in your celebrations and your joys and concerns, and you can put those cards in the offering plates when those come through. There are many ways to get involved. If you will look at the back of the bulletin, our first announcement is that this coming Wednesday, there is a potluck in the youth house for all of our youth parents and, and youth students and parents. For anyone who is seventh grade and up, and I know many of you are excited to learn about the Scotland pilgrimage that is coming up this summer. So join Sarah R and the other youth in the youth house this Wednesday at 6:30. Next Sunday, set your alarms. If you come at 10 o'clock, it'll be very awkward.
1: <laughs>
0: there are four opportunities to worship next sunday we go back to our fall schedule and it is our welcome home sunday for all of you who have been traveling throughout the summer there is 815 worship service in the chapel nine thirty and 11 services here in the sanctuary and worship at five in founders hall and of course there is sunday school opportunities for all ages so please Check that out and join us for our Welcome Home Sunday next Sunday. And lastly, some of you have received an email or a letter about our new vision statement. Our new statement that your pastors and your session members have wrestled with together and we're so excited and nervous about unveiling is Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, trusting that all belong to God living like we belong to one another. I know these few words, there's a lot to unpack there. And so next Sunday at our second Sunday lunch, we will have a forum where we want to share with you the process we went through, through coming to these particular words and how we hope they will shape us and move (coughs) us and encourage us to live into the family of faith that God is calling us to be in the next couple of years. So friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
2: All to worship. Storytelling God, we come to this place to hear the stories of our faith. In our worship, bring the words of our ancestors to life. We help us to turn the of, the of hope. Storytelling God, we recognize your presence in the stories of our lives. And your worship, remind us that you call
1: us by name. You hold our lives in your hands,
2: you lead us together to holy community. Story-telling God, you are still writing a story of love. In our worship, prepare to tell your story to the world. Let us worship God. to God's grace, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. God, each moment we tend to serve our lives, lives, to work and play labor and rest. We are of the gospel. We
3: are saved
2: saved by by grace through
1: faith in In
2: Jesus Christ we
0: Morning, everybody. So I have a question for you. Have any of you show me? But you can raise your hands. Have any of you ever fallen down and hurt yourselves? Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, That's part of growing up. So, what happened when you fell down? Were there any people who helped you? Who were the people who helped you after you fell down? Yes. Your teacher. Nobody? That happens, yes. It's honest. Yes? Your daddy? Jack? Your mom? Your what? Okay. Okay. We'll keep that between us. Okay. So I want to tell you, one time when I was in the eighth grade, I was leaving my house and I was clumsy, and I tripped, and I fell out the door on my way to school, and I broke my ankle. And when I think about all of those weeks when I had my leg and a cast, and I was on crutches, I think about all the people who helped me during that time. And I'm pretty sure that all of them were a part of my healing process. There were my friends who carried my books because I couldn't carry them because I had to use crutches to get to class. There was even my friend's mom who made extra padding on the crutches so they wouldn't hurt my arms when i used them that all of those people even though they weren't doctors or nurses that all of them were there to help me heal and so now i want us all to pretend that we're playing outside of your house and you're running down the sidewalk and you have an accident you trip and you fall and let's think of all of those people who will help you when you are hurting and you name some of them Maybe your mom will help you stand up. Maybe your dad will wash off your knee and put a band-aid on it. Maybe your grandparents or your best friend will bring over ice cream to cheer you up. Yeah. (laughs) Only when you have shots, that's a good time too. We heard when we have shots. (laughs) And maybe someone at the church is praying we love you and we care about you and we want you to get better as quickly as possible and maybe someone in your neighborhood takes away that toy or fixes whatever it is that tripped you so that no one else would trip again and so this reminds me of the story that Pastor Jesse is going to read this morning about the disciples Peter and John and they see a man who is hurting and this man has been hurting ever since he was born And they see him, and they help him get up. And this small gesture, this small act of kindness changes his entire life. And so I want us to think about this week as we go about our days, that God wants us to be kind to each other. That all of us are going to find ourselves hurting one day or another, and all of us have the power to help each other heal, because God loves all of us, and God sees all of the ways we are hurting. So will you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. Dear God, Dear God, you offer healing to us. You offer healing to us. In ways that are sometimes surprising. In ways that are
1: sometimes
0: surprising. <clears throat> Help us to be kind. Help us to be to show, care and to show care and generosity.
1: Because that is how you love
0: us. That is how you love us. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Name we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your seats now. Amen.
4: Let us pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, your abiding presence reminds us that God whispers words of hope to us each and every day. Through these ancient words of scripture, God sings a melody of grace. So we ask that you would open our ears so we might hear your song of love given to us today and always. Amen.
5: On this final Sunday of our summer series, Summer Mixtape, we've been telling some of the great stories of faith this summer. Hear this story of healing from the book of Acts, the third chapter. Listen now to a word from God. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man crippled from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I was flying home from seminary for the weekend to spend a few days with my family, and like the majority of people who choose window seats on flights, I hoped to spend the time quietly reflecting on the meaning of life. (laughs) This flight did not go according to plan. During takeoff, I pulled out a seminary textbook from my backpack and I held it in my lap with the intention of doing some reading, but of course I drifted into a light slumber until the flight attendant came around to take the drink orders. I'd completely forgotten about the book on my lap when I woke up, But the man in the middle seat, clearly looking for a good time to make his presence known, said in all sincerity, You're reading a book about my favorite person. Confused, I looked down to re-examine the book, which I hadn't started. The title read, Prophet and Teacher, An Introduction to the Historical Jesus. I had to stifle a chuckle because I thought he was kidding. But I met his glance and realized he was very serious. And what followed was a fiery discourse about Jesus from the man in the middle seat, a man whose theological and Christological beliefs were very different than my own. After some time, the man interrupted his own monologue as if he had suddenly realized that I was still there (laughs) and curiously asked me, So what do you do for a living anyway? (laughs) When you're a woman in ministry, you learn that this is a very loaded question. Each time it's asked of you, you are confronted with this moment, this question of whether or not to be totally truthful. This being the first time I had been asked the question since starting seminary, I decided to be honest. I took a deep breath. And I looked over at the man and said, Well, I'm actually in seminary right now, and I'm hoping to be ordained as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church. The man bristled. Oh, he said, looking down at his hands, Well, I don't believe in female pastors. (laughs) As if I were a unicorn. (laughs) or Santa Claus, or the Loch Ness Monster. I suppose if this man were here today and said the same thing, I'd say, well, I'm standing right in front of you. Do you believe in me now? (laughs) Needless to say, this exchange completely killed our conversation. And after a few moments of incredibly awkward silence, Thanks be to God, the flight attendant came around with our drinks, and I put my earbuds in, and I stuck the book back in my bag, and I resumed staring out the window. When the plane landed, we both hurried off into different directions, ready to forget the entire encounter. What do you do for a living? Seems to be the favorite icebreaker on airplanes, at cocktail parties— How many times have you been asked this question by a complete stranger, and how do you choose to answer it? And why is it that the first thing we want to know about a person is their job title or how they earn a paycheck? Perhaps it's because our identities are so bound up in our work. A 2014 Gallup poll showed that more than half of workers in the United States define themselves based on their job and we all hope to be valued and recognized for the jobs we do for the hours we put in and the things we produce and yet each of us has an identity beyond our job or our former job beyond how we earn a paycheck or what we put on a resume as people who seek to follow christ Perhaps the question worth asking ourselves is, what is our life's labor? I think this is the question that Peter and John are considering when we meet them in this passage in the book of Acts. (laughs) Along with the entire community, they're wrestling with how to spend their time in the world. They're trying to decide what to do, where to put their energy. The book of Acts is one of my favorites in the scriptural canon. Because it records the day-in, day-out lives of early Christians after Jesus is no longer physically present. It's the first glimpse of, that we get of the disciples figuring out how to do life. How to embody all that Jesus has modeled for them. How to be Christians. And this third chapter of Acts is really the beginning of the action. You see, the resurrected Christ has just ascended into heaven leaving very few instructions for the disciples, who are fearful and uncertain in his absence. But luckily, the Holy Spirit shows up on Pentecost to revive the community and to send the disciples back into the world. But to do what, exactly? There's not really a disciple job description to pass out to interested candidates. Perhaps this is where the WWJD bracelets originated, because... Crowds of disciples were just sitting around wondering, what would Jesus do? What are we supposed to do? Peter and John are discussing this very thing as they walk to the temple that afternoon. What would Jesus want us to do with our time, they wonder. And it's in this wondering moment that the two spot the paralyzed man being carried to his usual spot outside the beautiful gate. This is a man who has spent the entirety of his life relying upon other people to carry him to the exterior of this most holy place so he can receive money all the while never being allowed inside the walls due to his paralysis. It's likely that Peter and John have seen this man before this man who in his transactions with almsgivers, has somehow scraped together sufficient funds to survive. And it's likely that Peter and John have given alms to this man previously, because the Jewish tradition highly valued such charity. And on this particular day, it would have been easy to repeat the transaction, to drop a few coins into the man's open hands without much thought. But something happens to Peter and John, and they choose to respond differently than they ever have before. Do you have a few coins to spare? I imagine him saying in a tone of voice that politely cuts through the chatter near the temple gate. Other men are passing by, briskly, keeping their heads pointed inward as they drop coins near the man's feet. But suddenly, Peter cuts off his conversation and stops. And John, trailing Peter, closely nearly stumbles over his feet before following Peter's gaze to the man. Look at us, Peter says excitedly. Look! And the man looks up, expecting to see a few more coins waiting for him. But instead, he meets the eyes of two men who are beaming with nervous energy, as if they've had a sudden epiphany. There's no pity to be found in this gaze. There's no judgment, no feigned sympathy. The man feels overwhelmingly known and seen, as if for once he is not a beggar, but an equal. He's never known this warm gaze of dignity. And the man has no time to be disappointed by Peter and John's lack of money because in a matter of seconds, Peter reaches out to pull him upward. And he's standing on ankles that long ago failed him, putting one foot in front of the other, dancing across the threshold of the temple that he has never been allowed into. He is standing, laughing, and dancing before he has any time to wonder how the name of a dead man gave him the power to walk. This, this moment, this is the first thing that the disciples do publicly in the book of Acts. This moment of joy, of miraculous transformation, this moment in which a man is not only physically healed, but is granted access into a place he has never been welcomed this is the first act of acts the very first public act after jesus's ascension is an act of healing and prior to this encounter only jesus has shown the power to heal and now all of a sudden these ordinary uneducated fishermen have the same ability in this one interaction the disciples path forward becomes clear Their calling has been made evident. Their labor is to heal. They are called to be healers in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and everything else proceeds from this healing. They will preach and testify and evangelize, they will confront the powers that be, and they will face persecution. But throughout the book of Acts, a long and winding narrative recalling decades of ministry, healing is the primary act of the disciples, from which all other things proceed. Each act of healing takes place a little differently, but the results are always similar. Dignity is shared among people. Transformation occurs for both the healer and the healed. New access is granted as barriers come down, and the church grows more inclusive and expansive. Dignity, transformation, access, inclusivity. And so it is that these acts of healing are more radical than any sermons preached. These acts of healing are radical because they disrupt the status quo. You see, it's difficult to move throughout a society without attracting attention when you are consistently showing dignity to the downtrodden, transforming lives, granting access to forgotten populations, and including the marginalized. If we keep reading, we see that this particular healing outside the temple in chapter 3 is what lands Peter and John before the Sanhedrin for the first time. The same council that played a large part in sending Jesus to his death. And yet, even when the stakes are high, this radical ministry of healing is the labor that the disciples choose. Because for them, to heal is to embody all that Jesus taught them. In healing bodies and uplifting spirits and welcoming people into the community, the disciples find a way to reconstitute Jesus' broken and resurrected body into the body of Christ. This is the labor of their lives. And if we consider ourselves followers of Christ, empowered by the same Holy Spirit who blew through the upper room on Pentecost, then we too are called to heal. We are called to be healers in this world that is so desperately in need of mending. We are called to arrange and rearrange our lives so that everything we do proceeds from acts of healing. Healing is the labor of our lives. I'm guessing you already know what this means for you that you are more than aware of places in your life, in your family, in the world, that are in desperate need of dignity, transformation, access, and inclusivity. Where are you being called to look someone in the eye, to extend a hand and pull someone up, to knock down the barriers that keep people out, to create a space for someone around a table, or in your pew, And collectively, what would it look like if our community was acting first and foremost to heal this world? I think we might find ourselves looking into the eyes of refugees and migrants, granting them dignity and humanity and refusing to see them as numbers, holding space for all children of God to share their stories. I think we might find ourselves more readily reaching our hands out, to those who are grieving or suffering, to offer more than a transaction, more than a few coins worth of sympathy. I think we might find ourselves exploring gender identity and sexuality, asking people to share their pronouns rather than making assumptions, and seeking to knock down the binaries and the prejudices that keep us from loving people for exactly who God created them to be. I think we might begin to live into a vision of the world where every single person has a seat saved just for them at the table of grace. Friends, we are called to arrange and rearrange our lives so that everything we do proceeds from acts of healing. Healing is the labor of our lives. And if we truly commit ourselves to this labor, there is no doubt That we will disrupt the status quo. There's no doubt that these results will go unnoticed. I sometimes wonder what would have happened on that flight if I had had the courage to meet the eyes of the man in the middle seat. I wonder if there was a moment for transformation that we both missed, a point at which healing, even just the smallest bit of healing, might have occurred. I wonder if together we could have removed just a few of the bricks in the barriers that stood between us. And I regret that I will never know the joy of that particular transformation, that I will never experience the amazement and wonder of healing the wounds that both of us carried into that horribly uncomfortable encounter. And yet, Even when we miss opportunities, Jesus continues to lead us to situations and people who need healing. And Jesus leads healers into our lives to show us dignity and bring about transformation when we need it most. We are called to be healers. This is the labor of our lives. May it be so. Amen.
4: Let us stand in body or in spirit as we proclaim and affirm our faith to the world and to one another using these words printed in the bulletin. We respond to God's grace through our Christian vocation, and baptism we honor our whole lives in service to God.
0: I invite you to hold in our hearts this week the family of Beverly Skelton, whose memorial service will be held on Saturday, September 15th at 11 a.m. in the chapel. I also invite you to join me in signing our care letters located just outside of our north transept doors. Let this act of communal healing be known in your signature to someone in need. Friends, let us turn our hearts to God and let us pray. O God of steadfast love, there is nowhere in all of creation where you cannot be found. Traces of you glimmer upon water that sustains our lives. The very trees whose shade offer relief from the scorching heat of the sun remind us that you cover us with your love no matter where we go. Our very bodies were formed by your tender hands, carefully designed and set into this world for your glory, for your love. Merciful God, it is this tenderness for which we long and for which we cry out to seep once again into this very earth. We need your tender hand to repair the soil and the air upon which we depend, to reform the institutions and structures that cause your beloved people to suffer, and to restore the relationships in our lives that are a source of great pain. Redeemer of all, give us the courage to seek your healing. Some of our wounds are obvious like the effects of chemo, the bandages of surgery, the scars we carry from war or abuse or self-harm. And some of our wounds are hidden, like our grief, our past trauma, our infertility, our self-doubt and self-loathing. And yet we know that your son and your disciples have always been called to pay attention to our wounds. Not because we alone can heal them, but because our faith compels us to believe that you are big enough to hold all of these things, to gaze upon them with love, and to gently guide us on the path to healing and wholeness, whatever that may look like. For it is Christ's resurrection that gives us the hope and the strength to believe that there is always the possibility of new life. You are not done with us yet, and your spirit weaves among and within us, gathering us together as a community, as one body, your church. And so we pray for the unity of your people, for divisions and conflicts to give way to your coming kingdom, where love and mercy and justice will radiate from our words, our hands, our feet, and our very faces. Until then, write on our hearts this holy truth that we belong to you and we belong to one another. And so with one voice, let us pray together as you have taught us together to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,
3: Family of God, the stories of Scripture teach us to believe that small things are great in God's eyes. And so this month we are committing our single dollar bills and coins to a place that is near and dear to so many of us, Mo Ranch Assembly. Whether you have been to Mo Ranch for a conference, a retreat, or a time of Sabbath with your family, Moe Ranch seeks to be a place where connection with God and with one another is found among its thin spaces, nestled in the Texas Hill Country. Let us now give generously, for God has been generous with us. Receive into your care these gifts we offer with humility. May they go out into this world as seeds of your eternal light and love for all of creation. In Christ we pray. Amen. <laughs>
5: healers. This is the labor of our lives. So go now into the world, heal and be healed. And now may the love of the faithful creator, the peace of the wounded healer, the joy of the challenging spirit, and the hope of the three in one go with you and surround you this day and forevermore. Amen.